we are heading for a financial crisis because of state debt that's simply being accumulated as if there is no tomorrow. So I'm afraid we are not at a good place, and I'm afraid my expectations for the next couple of years is also not that rosy. I'm Carol Ofori, and this is the Carol Ofori Podcast for thought-provoking conversations. The cost of living in South Africa seems to be climbing at an unprecedented pace at the moment, with interest rates regularly rising and the price of petrol doing the same thing. And then you throw in load shedding, avian flu affecting the price of eggs and chicken, and the ever-climbing cost of basic essentials. And it all becomes unmanageable for the average South African. And it seems there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Or is there? Should we pack up and leave? Or should we stay? With me right now to unpack all of this and hopefully give us some light at the end of the tunnel is Davi Rurt. Davi is a founding member, a director, and the chief economist of the Efficient Group. Davi is a well-known South African economist with approximately 30 years' experience. He is ranked as the most referenced economist in the country and specializes in monetary and fiscal policy. Davi, thank you so much for taking time to chat to us on the Carol Ofori podcast. Fantastic talking to you. Thank you very much. So I guess let's jump straight into it. How bad is the situation with our economy in South Africa? Well, well, pretty bad. Pretty bad, I'm afraid to say. Okay, so let me just give you a couple of numbers so, so that we can just understand where we are. Right. And uh, perhaps even speculate on what can be expected over the next couple of years. Now, the past 10 years, for the past 10 years, this the average South African has been getting poorer. And the main reason for that is simply because the South African economy hasn't been growing much. Um, in fact, the South African economy is growing at a rate much, much slower on average than population growth. And inevitably, that means that we will be getting poorer because economic growth means wealth creation and it means job creation. And if you do not have uh, sufficient economic growth, then you will have an increase in unemployment and poverty and all of that. And because of the weak economic growth, we indeed have rising levels of poverty, even rising levels of absolute poverty and we have exceptionally high levels of unemployment in South Africa. Uh, in fact, on a broader definition, we've got unemployment levels of approximately, well, getting close to 50% in South Africa. That is extraordinarily high in the country. So why is this happening? Why? Uh, there are many reasons for that. There are some external reasons for that. Uh, the, Ten years ago, we had the financial crisis. A year or two ago, we had the conflict. We still have the conflict in Ukraine, and that's having an impact on oil prices. So there are external factors affecting the South African economy, certainly, yes. But most of the reasons, and there are many reasons, but most of these reasons are basically own goals. So things that we are doing to ourselves. Mm. And if I, went to, if I want to point out somebody that's responsible for most of our woes, then it must be the ANC government. And I can give you a list of things. And the list is not going to be comprehensive, I mean, but let me give you a few things. Yeah, let's the local it. authorities, the local authorities in South Africa have all but collapsed financially. The state-owned enterprises, ESCOM is a good example, but most of the state-owned enterprises have been run into the ground financially and operationally. The national accounts of the Minister of Finance, we know we've got issues at education and at health services and policing and all that, but if you look at the finances of the Minister of Finance, that has become a major problem. 
and and it, it we are heading for a financial crisis because of state debt that's simply being accumulated as if there is no tomorrow. And to, to top everything off is that we've got an election next year, and I've got a suspicion that the ANC government, the same government that should be blamed for most of the, the problems that we have in the country, I think the ANC government will still be part of government, and that means that another five years of business as usual, and business as usual is not good. So I'm afraid we are not at a good place, and I'm afraid my, my, my expectations for the next couple of years is also not that rosy. Yo, okay. An explosive intro into this conversation there, Davi. Yo, where do I even begin? The big one that we hear every couple of, of months is the repo rate. And yeah. as we know, it keeps climbing. Do you see in the near future this going down? And what does that mean for the average South African? Yeah, I painted not a very rosy picture, but there certainly is some silver linings. And one silver lining is the South African Reserve Bank. I must just a side note, I'm a little bit concerned about the Reserve Bank because recently they decided, well, let me be frank about it, recently they whitewashed the president. And I'm referring to this Pala Pala thing uh, about the cash in the, in the couch. But apart from that, the Reserve Bank has been a shining light in South Africa. The South African Reserve Bank under the leadership of Lesetia Kanyahu has been doing an excellent job in South Africa. And they're really make, making life very difficult for us because they are, they've been increasing interest rates quite a lot and there is the possibility of a further rate increase. And it is painful and it is going to be damaging to economic growth. But we do not have a choice. Uh, we do not have a very competitive macroeconomic environment, uh, which means that, for example, electricity prices just keep on going up and up, and that pushes up inflation, and inflation is a very bad thing. Inflation, high inflation guarantees weak economic growth, and the Reserve Bank knows that, and the Reserve Bank is increasing interest rates to prevent inflation from becoming a bigger problem in South Africa, and I think we should all try to support the Reserve Bank. High interest rates, we're trying to, the Reserve Bank is using high interest rates to prevent inflation from getting out of hand, but we have high inflation partly because of the macroeconomic environment which is not very uh, competitive in South Africa. And the reason for that, again, has to do with a government that is simply not doing what they are doing. But when it, come, when it comes to interest rates, at the moment, we've got inflation around 5%. You referred to the recent increases in uh, petrol price and diesel prices. That will filter through to inflation as well. And we've got some other price increases in the economy as well. Of late, inflation has been coming down a little bit. But I think in the next month or two, three, inflation is likely to go up a little bit again, above 5%. Not too much, but it's likely to go up a little bit. And then it really depends on what's going to happen to the exchange rate of the rand and what's going to happen to the oil price and that sort of stuff. Um, and whether the Reserve Bank will decide to increase interest rates again, they could. They could decide to increase interest rates again, or they might decide that they've given enough, they're going to sit on their hands. And we may even see, depending, about, uh, depending on many variables, mm -hmm. but it is not impossible that we could see inflation, uh, interest rates coming down somewhere in the first quarter or perhaps the second quarter next year. That is not uh, impossible. So there is a possibility of interest rates coming down a little bit. But the Reserve Bank has really been tightening monetary policy or increasing interest rates in an attempt uh, to rein inflation in. Uh, and they have been, I, I would say, quite successful in that. But I think we expect too much from the Reserve Bank. We also have to contribute to this process of getting inflation lower. And that means that we have to create a more competitive macroeconomic environment. And in order to achieve that, 
we need a government that needs to change their policies. Right. You spoke a lot about inflation. So let's tackle that a little bit. What causes, you know, inflation for it to go up, for it to go down? How does it work? Inflation is a horrible thing. Let's perhaps just talk a little bit about why inflation is bad. Now, there are many reasons why inflation is bad. Uh, You ask elderly people that are dependent on an an interest income, as an example, uh, or people that uh, get a a fixed income, a salary, for example, in in an inflationary environment, they will find that their income simply do not keep pace with inflation. So they are getting poorer. So inflation is bad because it steals money from savers. Inflation is also bad because they're making life very difficult for people living off a fixed wage, as an example. There are some winners in the inflationary environment, and that is people that owe money. If you owe money, inflation erodes the value of money, but inflation also erodes the value of debt. And the biggest debtor in South Africa is the state, is the government. That's why politicians actually like high inflation. And that's why the central bank must be independent. So what causes inflation? Well, you know, there are all sort of academic reasons or all academic answers to that specific question. But in the end, inflation lives of money. It is impossible to have inflation in a barter economy, as an example. You must have money. And the definition for inflation, there are two definitions for inflation. The one definition is, and that's easy to understand, is that things are getting more expensive. We all know that specific definition. But there's another definition that I prefer, and that is money loses its value. And that is more important. And that is more important because people think that an increase in the petrol price, as an example, is inflation. That is not the case. It is only inflation when it becomes a process. In other words, when there's an increase in the petrol price, and because of that you get an increase in the bread price, and because of that you get an increase in wage prices, and because of that you get an increase in other prices, so it becomes a sec- what economists call the second round effect of inflation. And that's what the Reserve Bank is trying to prevent by increasing interest rates. By, uh, by increasing interest rates, the Reserve Bank basically are forcing us uh, to cut back on other spending because there was an increase in the petrol price and now we simply uh, must uh, cut back on other spending in the economy to prevent the so-called second round effect uh, of, of inflation. So in short, inflation is caused by a currency losing its value and that is the constitutional responsibility of the South African Reserve Bank to maintain the value of our currency, the rand. And they do that uh, by by increasing interest rates. I hope that makes sense. It sure does. It sure does. I mean, you did say that, you know, it's got to do with also currency losing its value. Do you see us heading into a 500 rand note sort of era soon? Sure. Yeah, without no. a doubt. I must tell you, let me give you one or two other things that I'm very concerned about. And perhaps we can talk a little bit about politics because we've got an election around the corner. And that's going to be very important because whoever is going to be in the next government, they will have to implement certain policies and they have to appoint certain people like the new governor of the South African Central Bank. So are we going to see a 500 rand note? I think so, yes, because I think in the medium term, I did did mention in the short term, I'm not too concerned about inflation in the next couple of months, but in the medium longer term, because of of a number of factors, I think that inflation is going to become a serious problem in South Africa. Mm. And of course, you can't go with a lot of 10 rand notes to go and buy something 
because it's simply impractical. And that is why over time, South Africa and most other countries, gradually over time, they increase the size of their denominations and gradually you get as bigger and bigger denominations. And we've currently the biggest denomination in South Africa at the moment is a 200 rand note. And I won't be surprised if we eventually get a bigger denomination like a 500 rand note. And at the moment, the, the 100 rand note is the most popular note out there. But not too long ago, 10 years ago, very few people were walking around with 100 rand notes in their pockets. They were walking around with 10 rand notes in their pockets. And the same way that happened to the 10 rand note is currently happening to the 100 rand note. So eventually mm. I do believe that we're going to get bigger denom denominations. But having said that, important as well, I also believe that cash money, notes and coins, are going to disappear. In fact, it is already disappearing. Yeah. And in future, we are probably going to make more use of apps and electronic money and, and maybe even central bank digital currencies as well. Yeah. It's like, a, like a, a Bitcoin rand, if you like. But coming back to your question, yes, the rand is likely to keep on losing its value, especially in a high inflationary environment, which means that people will start looking at rand differently, not in terms of rands and cents necessarily, but in terms of 10 rands or even 100 rands or even 1,000 rands because it doesn't make wow. sense to think in terms of, of small denominations anymore. But I'm sure this is not a thing we'll see in the next five years or so. The timeline, I'm hoping, would well, be in a lot longer <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't think so. I'm not so. I'm not so sure. I can tell you, and we can. I can tell you why I say so. Yeah. But we are we are heading for a serious financial crisis, I believe, and this is going to happen in less than five years' time. We, this is going to happen in the current sure. trajectory. If something goes wrong, we we talking about some things going really seriously wrong in the South Africa. Uh, in South Africa within the next two years or who knows. But, um, but I've got some reasons why I say this. Right. So you mentioned this financial crisis quite a few times. And now you've given a possible timeline of when we will reach yeah. this, this financial crisis. For, the, for layman, what do you mean what, when you say financial crisis? Okay. okay, let me just explain to you why I say so. Let's, let's just look at those things that are major problems in the country. The first one is the local authorities. I think I mentioned the local authorities. Financially, they are in very, very deep trouble. And most of the local authorities in South Africa, municipalities, they're simply not functioning properly. And that's bad because it's bad for economic growth. A business person, when he talks about the authority, he usually talks about the municipality because that's where he gets his electricity, his water, his pavement, and stuff like that. The local authorities, more than 70% of the local authorities uh, are financially in trouble. And the outstanding debt of the local authorities to Eskom only uh, is approximately 70 billion rand. Hmm. 70,000 million rand. And that increases every month by approximately 2 billion rand. The local authorities are a major problem, and that's going to be the, become the problem of the Minister of Finance eventually. The second major problem is, um, is the state-owned enterprises, ESCOM. Now, I can give you the numbers. ESCOM's outstanding debt is 450 billion rand. Transnet just made a, made a loss of 6 billion rand. Sure. The post office is collapsing. Transnet is just not working anymore. The trains are not working anymore. The harbors are not working anymore. And in the case of the post office, it's simply coming to an end. Hmm. Now, most of that debt of the state-owned enterprises is guaranteed, again, by the Minister of Finance. So the Minister of Finance is already 
budgeted to give large amounts of money uh, to, uh, to, to ESCOM. He's already transferred recently a lot of money to ESCOM. But in the meantime, many of these other institutions like the NEL is demanding more money. The post office is demanding at least 12 billion rand extra. I mentioned Transnet made a loss. And everybody wants more money because they've become bankrupt and they have been mismanaged financially and operationally. And the third problem is the Minister of Finance himself. The state debt levels are the, it's the highest today that it's ever been, and I can give you all these numbers, but it is going up at an alarming rate. And that state debt is being funded by somebody, and that somebody is the private sector locally and internationally. Uh, institutions like pension funds and in insurance companies and the banks and foreigners and so on, they fund that deficit, that debt of the Minister of Finance. Mm. And the day is going to come when the, the private sector is going to say, listen, you guys, I don't like the way that the finances of the state is being run uh, and I don't want to fund the Minister of Finance anymore unless he really pays me a lot, but pays me very high interest for that. And that's the reason why long-term interest rates have been going up recently. And in, in the meantime, the Amer Americans and the Europeans mostly, they've said, listen, we don't trust the ANC government anymore. They started selling some of this debt, pushing up long-term interest rates even further and also contributing to a weaker currency. Uh, and the banks in South Africa, they've been accumulating more and more debt of the Minister of Finance. And even the South African Reserve Bank recently said that they're getting concerned about the banks funding the Minister of Finance too much. There's too much government debt on the balance sheet of the banks. So that's the situation. So I can quite easily see that if there's another financial crisis internationally, some sort of financial crisis, usually what happens is that emerging currencies like the RAND gets, uh, takes a hammering. Not because it's just because it is a small currency, not only ours, but many other of these smaller currencies. And if the rand comes under pressure, that will result in higher inflationary pressures. Mm. That could that could spark a crisis on our capital market. Uh, that can lead. And just by the way, the banks in South Africa are very well capitalized. There's nothing wrong to the banks. But if there really is a run on our capital market, it will eventually put some of our financial institutions under stress. And some of the financial institutions can get into trouble. So it's very easy to see that some sort of crisis internationally or locally can lead to, well, havoc on our local financial markets. And the result of that is likely to be a much weaker currency, much higher inflation, much higher interest rates, and of course, weak economic growth. So, and this is at the current trajectory, we are heading for that. I don't know if you've recently followed the Minister of Finance talking to his colleagues and telling them that we are heading for some serious troubles in South Africa that we need to cut back on state spending. And his colleagues said, but we can't do that because there's an election around the corner. We simply can't do that because we're going to lose votes if we stop spending money on all these things. Yeah. Um, and they simply overruled the Minister of Finance. Of course, he knows what I've just told you. He knows this. He knows he must cut back on state spending. Uh, but politically, they can't do that because they're politicians. They want to stay in power. So we've got a government that got us where we are today. And this government's probably going to be in charge for the next five years as well. Will they fix the problems that they've caused? I doubt that. The common thread that I'm picking up, obviously, in this podcast is the conversation around the elections next year and the outcome thereof. We do know that, uh, you know, different countries with the elections, depending on which way it goes, really does affect the economy. What are your 
predictions for for next year heading into the elections and of course coming out of the elections let's say the ANC gets to another five years or some sort of coalition including them comes out of that what what can we expect from such a result yeah it is important who's going to be the next government because the next government will have a certain ideology and they will have and based on their ideology that will determine their policies I think the ANC is going to get around 50%. It could be above 50% or just below 50%, somewhere there. It doesn't really matter because if it is above 50%, it's business as usual. If it's just below 50%, they will form a coalition with the smaller political parties and it will be business as usual. I just want to make a side note before I go to a second possible scenario, and that is what happens at the provincial level is going to be crucially important as well mm-hmm. because um, in the case of Gauteng, I believe that the ANC is going to get less than 50%, and in the in the case of KZN, there's a good chance of the ANC also getting less than 50%. And they will be forced to go into collisions with maybe even the EFF in the case of Gauteng. And the EFF may have certain demands on national level. So just keep that in the back of your mind as well. So mm-hmm. that's a wild card. And something else, the worse the ANC does in the elections, the better the chance become that that uh, they will recall the president, uh, President Ramaphosa. So if they get the really bad results in the elections, I think it's a given that the president is not going to be in the hot seat for much longer and it will be somebody else. But coming back to the election, so the most likely scenario, around 50%. Then um, a second possibility is that the ANC will get less than, say, 45%, in which case they will have to form a coalition with the major uh, opposition parties, the DA or the, or the EFF, I think if the DI goes into collision with the with the ANC, that will be the end of the DI. I think it will be not be a clever move, and that means that the EFF is the only only possible candidate that I think uh, to form a coalition with the ANC at national level. And uh, remember what I've told you about the provinces. Yeah. So it's not inconceivable that we can see the president being recalled, Paul Mosetile being our next president. And then people like, for example, Julius Malema, possibly, uh, or even somebody like Fikilion Bolula. Uh, and I know Fikilion Bolula recently, he made some comments about the Reserve Bank. So mm. if he is this the deputy president, he's certainly going to whisper in the president's ear that he's got to appoint a more progressive, to, to use their words, uh, a governor at the Reserve Bank, somebody that will allow inflation for, from running amok and causing all sort of damages. So that's what my prediction is. We're still going to have an ANC. It is a bad scenario or a, or a worse scenario, and that's an ANC and coalition with, say, for example, the EFF. What does one do to secure a brighter future for South Africans with regards to the economy? What are the yeah. steps that can be taken to ensure inflation doesn't go up, to ensure the price of food doesn't go up, to ensure that the average South African is able to afford life here? Well, first of all, that uh, we have to understand that our problems are not economic. That's not, those are not, we don't have an economic, of course we have many economic issues, but it's caused by something else. It's caused mostly by an incompetent and often corrupt government. So it's our responsibility to make sure that there is a political change to get a good government. That is what, that's our responsibility. But the, the situation is a given, at least for the next five years or so it seems. So what should you do? And before I answer that, let me just step back for a moment and give you some, uh, something else that is happening in the economy. And that is, and it's not only South Africa, it's worldwide. Economies are becoming more technologically driven. Economies are more, more focused on things like what you and I are doing now. It's more service orientated. Mm. It is more, let's call it digitizable, if you like. There are so many 
things happening um, in the economy and they are all based, more and more things are based in the cloud somewhere. A good example is I've got a friend, he works for a bank in Kenya, he's never ever been to Kenya. And that's the nature of economic activities. And it doesn't matter where you are. In the case of South Africa, of course, it's a very dangerous place. You must make sure that you are physically safe. But if you have the necessary skills and a proper computer and good uh, Wi-Fi or internet connection, then it doesn't matter where you are. You can still participate in this wonderful advanced part of the economy. And that's why I'm so extremely concerned about the quality of our skills development in South Africa because there are so many millions of South Africans that simply do not have the skills to participate in this wonderful new economy that is already happening all around us. So what should you do? And my advice to people is that, of course, you can, you can leave South Africa, but why leave? The wonderful weather, we've got nice steak here, we've got nice brandy and wine, be here, <laughs> but be safe and make sure that you have skills and make sure that you've got the proper computer and that you can participate in this more advanced part of the economy. But I also advise people to make sure that you've got a proper diversified portfolio, to make sure a large chunk of your portfolio is invested abroad. Be very careful. Make sure you know that, that you don't listen to, to just anybody. There are a lot of crooks out there. Make sure your structures, structures are right for moving your money abroad. But that's also part of my advice. And make sure that you move at least a chunk of your portfolio uh, abroad. But you don't necessarily have to emigrate because the nature of economies today uh, is not, it's not as physical as it used to be. Like, for example, agriculture and mining, if you go back 100 years ago, about 80% of people worked in agriculture and mining. Today, it's, it's a fraction of that because people working, work in other industries and that, that trend will continue. And I think that is actually the best possible news for South Africa, but also for the world's economy. We do know that the petrol price hike has been a big one. And for most South Africans, you've mentioned so many important elements. But for some reason, we get shaken by the price of petrol going up. That's affecting everybody. We also now know that avian flu has broken out and there's a possibility there's a high increase in eggs and chickens um, in time to come. Are these good measures for the average man to use to say things are bad or things are okay? Yeah, inflation is one of those things to say whether it's good, bad or good or what. Uh, and inflation is currently around about 5%. It's far too high. We need it much, much lower. But it is at least not 10% or 20%. And we, 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 we've been there before. So inflation certainly is one of those measurements to see whether we're doing well or not. But I guess the single most important number in the economy is economic growth. And economic growth this year is going to be between zero and half a percent. And that's just not good enough. We need to grow the economy at three, four, five, six, seven percent. Um, and it can be done. I'm absolutely convinced it can be done. Uh, but, but like I've said, it's, it's probably unlikely to happen. It's, it's not going to happen because of Macri, the policies, because of the government and the wrong policies that we are following in South Africa. But I, if you want to look at one specific number, economic growth is that number, and we want that number much, much higher. And the question what we need to ask, what can we do to get that number higher? And there are many things that can be done. Uh, we have to create a more competitive macroeconomic environment. We have to get an efficient state. We have to have ESCOM that works properly. And we probably have to sell ESCOM off. We have to privatize that. And the same goes for the other state-owned enterprises. 
like uh, the post office. So, I mean, the private sector is simply taking over the function of the post office because the post office is coming to an end. So do what is inevitable and that is sell it off to the private sector and get the private sector to participate. We have to get a government that follows another kind of ideology. How much do conferences, or I don't even know how to explain it, the importance of places like AGOA, like the African Growth and Opportunity Act, also BRICS as being a part of that, how much do those, our involvement in these things uh, affect our economy? In the case of AGOA, AGOA is uh, the uh, preference treatment what we get when we export to the Americans. In the case of AGOA, it really helps a lot, especially certain sectors. Agriculture benefits from that. Uh, the motor car industry benefits a lot from that as well. So it helps a lot. If the Americans decide to kick us off AGOA, it won't be the end of the end of the world, but every little bit, you know, helps or damages the economy. So we want to be part of AGOA. It really, it certainly helps. And Playing war games with the Russians in the ocean, it's not going to help because the Americans don't like that. So, you know, be nice to the Americans. Whether you like them or not, they are, they are major investors in South, in South Africa. We don't have to be too friendly with them, but let's try to be friendly with everybody. The other example that you have is BRICS. BRICS is also important. It can potentially become important for us. It can lead to more markets for South African firms, and we can do more business with the BRICS countries. But as always, there's always a a degree of politics involved in all of this. Also with AGOA. Uh, in the case of AGOA, the Americans don't like us being too friendly with the Russians. That's politics. In the case of BRICS, BRICS is basically a Chinese club. The Chinese want to, that's the, the Chinese see BRICS as their vehicle to influence emerging economies like South Africa and many other ones and so on. So yes, be, uh, be part of BRICS and try to be friendly with everybody and try to trade with everybody. But if you say that you're neutral, and I think South Africa should try to position ourselves as neutral globally, then really be that. Really be neutral and try to be friends with as many countries as possible. And of course, try to do business with them as well. All right. So you, you refer to us as an emerging, emerging economy, uh, specifically with China looking at us and other world uh, powers looking at us as emerging economies, right? So that leads me to my next question. Is South Africa still the strongest economy on the continent or have nations like Kenya or Nigeria or even Botswana overtaken us? No, it depends on what you mean the strongest. Uh, In terms of the size of the total economy, South Africa is not the biggest economy anymore. Now, today, the biggest economy on the African continent is Nigeria. Uh, and the second one is Egypt. So those, those two economies are bigger than a South African economy. We used to be the biggest economy, but we're not that anymore. In terms of sophistication, the South African economy is by far still the most sophisticated economy on the African continent, but we are losing that as well. For example, Morocco today exports more motor, car, motor vehicles than what South Africa exports. And South Africa used to be a real, well, in African terms, giant in terms of motor vehicle manufacturing. And there's another way of looking at the economy and that's on a per capita basis so who's the richest country on in africa on a per capita basis and that honor goes to mauritius mauritius is well as, as wealthier than south africa on a per capita basis but south africans are far wealthier than nigerians on a per capita basis, as an example. Or you can look at, uh, like, for example, the infrastructure in the various economies. And if, even if you look, despite the fact that the infrastructure in South Africa was, was destroyed, or to a large extent destroyed recently, um, and is not being maintained, South Africa is still the economy by, by far with the, the most advanced infrastructure on the African continent. We've got the m- most roads, 
ESKIM is still important, although it's falling apart. Um, and so there are many things still working in South Africa's favor. But without a doubt, and I've looked at many variables, mm -hmm. in most cases, South Africa is falling behind the rest of the world. And in most cases, very poor countries, as sub-Sahara African countries, for example, in many cases, they're still well behind us on many variables, but they're catching up with us. So we are losing out. Um, relative to the rest of Africa, relative to our size, uh, to ourselves, and also relative to, to the rest of the world. We are becoming less important, and all of that has to do with the economy that has been under a lot of pressure recently and is likely to remain so for quite some time. And also, just speaking on one element that most South Africans are frustrated by is, of course, load shedding. Uh, the government then decided to try and mitigate that and pay attention to that. They brought in the electricity minister to try and, and help with that situation. Do you think that that, that has helped in any way whatsoever? No, not really. What I think is going to happen to electricity, I think ESCOM is going to disappear, at least the way it works today. I think the generation part of ESCOM will be taken over by the private sector. And again, this is not policy. It is happening in practice because the ANC policy is not to privatize. But, it, but in reality, that is exactly what is happening because the private sector is putting solar panels on the roofs or they trying to generate their own electricity. So the generation part of ESCOM is going to come to an end. It is coming to an end in any way. The distribution part, and that is the last mile, that is what the municipalities are doing. They're selling us, they resell electricity to you and I, but the municipalities are a mess and they can't do that proper, uh, uh, anymore. And quite often what happens is that they take your money, they sell electricity to, to you and they take your money, but they never pay ESCOM. And that's why they owe so much money to ESCOM. Mm -hmm. And that is being privatized as well. So the private sector is taking that over and they're buying electricity direct, directly uh, from ESCOM. And that leaves you with the third part of ESCOM and that's a, the, the transmission part. This is, this is this large pylons that we see. Now that is what economists call a natural monopoly and I think that will survive. That will still be in the hands of the, uh, hands of the state um, and we will all plug into, into this huge transmission network throughout South Africa. But the generation part and the distribution part, I foresee a future where the ESCOM is not going to play a role in that anymore. That will be in the hands of the private sector. Sure. We have really unpacked quite a few things. And I guess it leads me to the all overarching question. Should you stay or should you go? That's the wrong question. That is the wrong question. And that's what I wanted to say earlier. And that is understand what is going on in the world of economics. Mm. Understand that we've got this amazing country, beautiful place with all these wonderful things that go with that. Uh, and try to still get the benefits of being part of South Africa, but also get the benefits of being part of a modern economy. And you can do that by making sure that you have the necessary skills to participate. And it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, last year, for example, we got stuck in Moscow, my family and I, and uh, I had very nice internet. And uh, I even contacted the, the kids' teachers, and they gave me all the information. And I was teaching the kids sitting in Moscow uh, because I had a very good internet connection. It ne I nearly killed the, the poor kids, <laughs> but, uh, but, but they could follow, they would stay up to date with their schoolwork in the process. I even had meetings, and many people did not even know that I was actually sitting in Moscow. That's an example mm. where where you are doesn't really matter. But in the case of South Africa, we've got an additional problem, and that's personal safety. So make sure you are safe in South Africa. If you can make sure you are safe, 
and you've got the necessary skills and all these other things that I've mentioned, you can still be part of the modern global economy. So what is your uh, silver lining uh, for us? You know, you've given us advice on how to survive it. Uh, but what's your silver lining? Because I, to be honest, somebody listening to this podcast is going to say, ah, 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 ah. If it's looking this bad, the election's already looking so crazy. I'm out. What is the silver lining <laughs> of being in South nah. Africa? No, there are a couple of things that will still work very well. You guys, the press, you're doing an excellent job. We've got a very free press in South Africa. And keep it up. Keep it up. It's right. your job to keep the politicians on their toes. You're doing an excellent job. So the press in South Africa is very much independent, and that's something that we have to protect. You guys must be protected. You're doing an excellent job. The South African Reserve Bank is doing an excellent job. I did mention that. The, uh, the judiciary. Uh, not all of them, but the senior courts in South Africa under the leadership of um, Raymond Zondu. He's an excellent chief justice in South Africa. I think he's doing an excellent job. That's another, without a doubt, a silver lining. And then, of course, uh, technology and technological changes that are happening. But it's not only a South African thing, it's a global thing. Uh, So those are all silver linings that we have to be aware of. But coming back to the the problems in South Africa, Mm. we've tried to unpack the economic problems in South Africa, but that's not really our issue. Our issue is politics. We need to fix politics, and fortunately, that is in the hands of you and I. Sure. And will South Africa be okay at the end? Will we be okay? Yes, it's going to be a rough couple the next five years, I think. It's going to be quite volatile. There will be a lot of uncertainty. I am getting a little bit concerned about the elections, judging by the way that the ANC government treated Manangangwa after the elections in Zimbabwe, for example. So they, I mean, democracy doesn't seem to be that important to the ANC. So what's going to happen in the elections and around that, I must be honest, I'm a little bit concerned about that. But another silver lining is that I believe we are at the beginning of the end of the rule of the ANC. And in five years' time, we will get another opportunity. And I believe in five years' time, we're going to kick the ANC out. We've been here before. We can do it again. Yeah. Anything else you want to leave with our wonderful podcast listeners? I think if I can give another piece of advice to people, and that is, and we haven't even spoken about some of the industries that I really do like, but my advice to people is read, 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 read. Be careful what you read. There's a lot of fake news out there. And make sure that you sort of, that you sort of know what is going on. So that's, get information on what is going on. Another piece of advice, if I may, is it doesn't matter in what kind of job you are. Make sure that you always know about most recent developments in that specific job and make sure that you keep your skills sharpened. Skills development is not something that ends the day after you get your qualification. Skills development is something that will go on forever and especially in a world that keeps on changing technologically the way that the world is changing today. So keep your nose to the grinding wheel and make sure that you know what's going on and make sure that you are the best in whatever you are doing. Some brilliant advice there, Davi. Uh, I'm assuming you're staying here and uh, <laughs> from what the advice I'm getting, put some money overseas and make sure, you know, you go to the polls next year. I think the, the big yeah, thing here is go the, to the polls. That's it. And the best, the best thing that you can do, if you really love South Africa, if you really love the people in this part of the world, the best thing that you can do, build a successful career, build a successful company, because that is by build, becoming wealthy, you're actually contributing to the wealth of this country. And if you be creating a successful business, you are a job creator. You are a taxpayer. You are part of the solution. 
Yo, Davi Ruth, thank you so much for your time. This is such an enlightening conversation. And I think many people are going to walk away from this feeling a little bit optimistic about the future because I think a lot of what you've said is it's in our hands to make this place a better place. Wonderful talking to you. This is the Carol LaFori Podcast, an East Coast radio podcast. Follow or subscribe via ecr.co.za under podcasts or your phone's podcast app.